if you thank the Lord for the truth of that, say amen. 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 If you're glad you say, say amen. 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 If you're excited to eat after church, say hurry up. I'm just kidding. Amen. Looking forward to the good fellowship tonight and uh, appreciate what the Lord done this morning. And of course, some of the visitors is here tonight and we appreciate you as well. And it is good to be saved. I appreciate the Lord to meet with us this morning and uh, I'm thankful for the word of God. You know, it's amazing how we can share it, teach it, preach it. And it speaks to every one of us different. But aren't you thankful that no matter what it is, God always has a fresh word and a sure word. Amen. And uh, so we're going to open tonight, if you will, open your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 30. 1 Samuel, chapter number 30. I, uh, before I begin tonight, I want to remind you that before I came, of course, I was very, very clear that my, um, my desire was honestly to, to honor the Lord, to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be very clear with you that uh, my intention is nothing other than that. And secondly, most importantly, to be able to help and encourage your pastor. As I said to you, and I'm learning this. I've learned it along the journey. And I've uh, been saved almost 20 years and able to be able to preach for a number of those years. But sometimes you go in, and the one thing that you can always do is you can always lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody help me right there. But the second thing is this. If you can help God's man, then you help God's people. And, uh, and I just want to say that because, church, you need to know where my heart is geared. You need to know I do love this church, but I, I know that God has chosen to do a work. I say this, too, and, again, I'm probably going to be transparent and say a lot of things I normally wouldn't say, uh, to be honest with you. But in my heart, the things that God's put on my heart, again, some things I've never preached behind our pulpit at Haynes Baptist Church. If I was a pastor, it'd be hard because Brother Lee had said this this morning. Sometimes when you're sitting as a pastor, I know Brother Thomas knows this as well. As a pastor, you sit down, you know, and it's, it's, it's good when God is touching and blessing. And if I can say this, all up in everybody else's business. But as a pastor, we don't like sometimes when somebody's all up in our business. You understand what I'm saying by that? I mean, it's just, it's hard to be transparent. But, uh, but again, I remind you tonight, remember, just like this morning, the Word of God is good for everybody. Y'all with me say amen. Amen. I got two or three over here, but I want everybody to be. And the more you help me tonight, the better it's going to be. I want to say something before I dive into this text. And, Hut, we can start the clock now. Amen. Me and Hut's got something going on. Praise God. I, uh, I thank God for the principles of the Word of God. We teach and preach a lot uh, of these principles, but I want to share something with you that it's been on my heart uh, for the past couple of days that ties into where we're going tonight in the Old Testament. By the way, let me just say this. Somebody says, well, do we live by the Old Testament? Let me say this. The Old Testament and the New Testament still in the Word of God. There's not one thing that's ever going to contradict itself. Amen. So uh, they're not going to complement each other. And they're not going to help each other. They're not going to disqualify each other. No, they're going to say the same thing. Amen. And uh, so I thank God for that. But I just I want you to listen to this verse that we quote often. Sometimes I don't feel like we always keep it in context. The Bible says in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, you hear this often. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the, most, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is a command. Uh, to understand before we dive into where it's going to be in a moment, it's going to be David's life. You're going to see some things that is, is going to be real. It's going to be relevant. 
But when you look into the New Testament and you see in Romans chapter number 12, you see a charge, you see a command that says, this is not an option. It literally says it's reasonable service. So in other words, what the Bible's saying is this, this is just what's expected of us. So it's, it's not about how easy life is and whether or not it's convenient, whether or not we enjoy it, whether or not it's easy for us or the entire church. No, this is something that is expected of us that God has commanded because he started all. As Paul spoke, he said, I beseech you. That word beseech means I beg of you. I, I am asking you to be able to pay attention to what I'm about to say. That brethren, by the mercies of God, watch me now. You want to know why you ought to present your body? Because of God's mercy in your life. God has been good to you. And if nothing else ever happened, God's been good, to you, good enough to you right now that you ought to want to present your life. So it ain't about what people do. It's not about how life treats us or, or people treat us. No, because of the mercy of God. I was enjoying as uh, folks were singing. We were singing these songs about God's mercy and about His grace and about all the things of God. It's amazing how easy it is to be able to sing and lift up a holy hand and say amen when we're singing to my friend. When you've got to live it, it's a lot different. Sometimes it's difficult if I can say it that way. The interesting thing is after that, he tells us to present our body. But you wonder why he says that. Then you come to verse number 2 and he says this. He says, and be not conformed. So in other words, you can't be like the world. And if you believe that's a true statement, stay man. So we know we, we can't be like the world. we got to renew ourselves. we we, we got to be able to take ourselves and present our bodies. We, we should be living for God, not for church, not for the preacher, not for religion, not for the world, not for mindsets. No, we should be living for God. We're presenting our bodies, a living sacrifice unto God. So our body, our life, our marriage our home, our ministry, everything is geared to glorify God. Amen. So you be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. Be you transformed. That's to be changed. Everybody say changed. That's to be changed. Be you transformed. Why? Watch this now. Be you transformed by, watch this now, the renewing. Everybody say renewing. renewing. By the renewing of your mind. Watch this. Watch this. The Bible says that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in other words, what he's saying is the reason why you take a moment and you look into these things is because you're not to live like the world. Watch me now. You're not to act like the world. Why? Because some things are going to happen you're not going to always understand. So how in the world? Do I just go to church? No, that's, that's not going to fix you. Do I just talk to the preacher? No, that's not going to fix you. Do I listen to gospel music? No, just that's not going to fix you. The way that you live, unlike the world, the way that God wants you to is by renewing your mind and you do that according to the scripture it says by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good and acceptable perfect will of God what does it look like hear me well we're going somewhere the latter part of that chapter says this let love be without dissimulation in other words hypocrisy how many of you know that sometimes things happen in life it ain't easy to love raise your hand and say amen y'all help me tonight notice what it says after that he says arbor that which is evil in other words you should hate it so even the things, and, and let's dive into it, the hatred that's in this world, the, the envy that's in this world, the, the killing that's in this world, the, 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 the child, the sex trafficking, all these things that are real things. Watch me now. We, we should arbor that. We should hate the things that are evil. So how can we hate what we're supposed to hate but love not only what but who we should love? It's simply by the renewing of your mind. Notice it goes further. 
It's to cleave to that which is good. You might not be as ungodly as I am sometimes, but this flesh is still flesh. I don't care how much you dress it up, what you do, the makeup you put on, and there's some things that happen to me and my family and my ministry and other people that I love. It's not always easy to do the right thing, but the Bible says to cleave to that which is good. In other words, you can do this, but you're not going to do it. Watch me now. Living by emotion, how you feel, what you think, but only by the renewal of your mind let me just put it plain to you what does the Bible say that's how you cleave to that which is good he goes on down be kindly affectionate one to another without brotherly kindness and honoring preferring one another not slothful in business fervent in spirit serving the Lord rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation continuing instant in prayer can I just stop right there and say I'm convicted I can't do all that all the time can y'all help me tonight he keeps on going. He talks about distributing the necessity of the saints, giving the hospitality. That means we're to be hospitable to everybody, not the people you like, look like you, same color, not from the same street, same background. No, hospitality. You're supposed to be hospitable to everybody. That's what the Bible says. You're supposed to be hospitable. Bless them which persecute you. Now you're getting close, brother Jason. Bless them that persecute how, how? Nobody in their right mind. You're exactly right. We ain't preaching on your right mind. Somebody help me now. We're preaching on what the Bible says. And it's not easy, friend. It's going to get harder and harder and harder. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, I had a lady in my church. She's my prayer warrior. If you ever come to my church, she takes off her shoes, walks around. She's a little short lady, man. She'll clap. Hallelujah. If there's one pause in the service, I mean, like, if you got a hiccup, if you're tuning an instrument, or maybe just, I don't know, somebody messes up, friend, she's just going to say, well, I just want to testify about how good God's been. That's who she is. Her son the other day, her oldest son, they had found him dead, and I went and I talked to her. She was just talking about the devil station she's literally been through hell on earth if you can understand what I'm saying and I told her I said I was reading the Bible and I said we went over to the book of Timothy where it said that in the last days that there'll be perilous times of people that men will wax worse and worse we understand all that but then after that verse number 14 it captivated my mind brother Lee it literally says but continue thou you know and I wrote this in the margin of my Bible that I'm going to give it to Nolan one day that my responsibility is not to control everything you know what I have found that we live in verse number 12 and 13 we're watching all the people that are evil and the things that are evil and the things that are happening we're getting discouraged we're getting downhearted can I get a witness tonight I mean and here's the problem we're getting that way because we can't control everything but hear me well God does not expect us and hold us responsible to control everything but we are responsible to continue in everything let all this settle in for a moment now how do you do that notice let's go back to first verse one and two the Bible says this be not conformed to the world but be ye transformed by the renewing that word renew literally means to be able to come back from interruption. Something that has interrupted your life. Something that has happened. Something that has made you stumble. Something that has made you stagger. Something that has hindered you not living always in the spirit, but sometimes living in the flesh are you with me tonight you understand what i'm trying to say it is a situation that you've dealt with it's a medical situation that you didn't plan for it's a problem that happened within your home uh, maybe it's a husband that looked at his wife and said i don't love you no more or vice versa maybe it's a child that does not have a mom that maybe she thinks that she should have a mom or a dad or maybe it's just a church where people say they love you one day but those closest to you cut you to deepest we understand that but it's things that you don't expect so how do you watch me now how do you still come to church 
Lift up a holy hand. Love people the way that you're supposed to love people and do what you're supposed to do and do everything that's found in Romans chapter number 12 and do it the way God wants you to. The only way you're going to do it is to renew your mind. In other words, you're going to be able to bounce back from all of these disruptions, all of these interruptions. But the only way you're going to do it is by applying. Everybody say apply. Everybody say application. It's the application of information. Some of us come to church, we hear Bible, we get a lot of information. Listen to me, I'm, I'm setting the stage. I hope, you, I hope you don't leave me tonight, okay? But I'm telling you tonight that you got to understand, you can hear all the Bible you want, you can say amen all you want to, and you do everything that you want to all day long. But until you apply it to your life, until I apply it to our life, it ain't going to change us. Friend, I, you and I don't travel up and down the road. We don't preach every Sunday. We don't do what we do. Christians, we don't, we don't pray. We don't talk to God and read our Bible just because we want to be educated. Educated people die and go to hell. Amen. I read my Bible because I want to be more like Jesus. I want to know what God expects of me, not just what the preacher preaches. I, no, I want to know what the Bible says to me. You believe that? Say amen. amen. So now we got a New Testament principle. So let's see what it looks like in real life. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. As you come to this text tonight, before we reread, I want you to know that we're going to walk into a scene and before this moment, it was a very progressive uh, group of men. You know the man that we're going to read about tonight. His name is David. David is phenomenal. I mean, you know David. David's a young man that chapter number 16 in the book of Samuel, he got called, got called out. He defeated the lion and the bear. He was able to be able to play his heart when nobody else was around. He learned to walk with God. He tended to the sheep. He was faithful in everything that he should. Chapter number 17, turns out he defeated Goliath. I mean, everybody's like, man, praise God. I want that in my life. I, I want to defeat the giants that are in our life. You study out David's life and, man, the wars that he overcome, the things that he battled, the way that he honored Saul in the way that he did and, and just gave himself endlessly to Saul and the way that he was trusted in so many areas. I mean, we look at David and we see David's influence. David had a lot of influence. Matter of fact, the men that are with David in this text, they love David. They've been traveling with David. They have been in a place of war. They've been battling and doing some things and they've been conquering and they've been overcoming and everything, everything has been great. If I could put it in today's times, it's the revival services. Uh, it's the moments of the new beginnings. You know, some of us have children. It's like, oh, praise the Lord. We love them. They're so cute. And then all of a sudden, you got to start changing your diaper, diapers, and they're not cute anymore, right? And, and then they get a little bit older, and they get a little sassy. And then they, you're like, Lord, it was really cute when they were small. And then they start bouncing off the walls or, or, or like, like hutting them. I mean, they a ridge. They'll DDT you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're like, this baby ain't as cute as it used to be. I'm just kidding. But anyway way after a while things happen things change people change people in the church what happens we come to church we're excited doors open up people walk in shake hands fellowship old oh, preacher it's the best thing that we've ever seen we like a church that's genuine we like a church that, that that's full of love we like a church that has real people we like a church that has diversity we have a church like a church that that, that has bible preaching i mean we love that preacher oh, we've been praying for this and we're so excited that god has led us here whatever we can do to be able to help you hey preacher hey Hey, we're with you preacher we're with you whatever it is that you need whatever battle whatever giant the Philistines let the world come after us whatever it is oh it's wonderful we go out we have a dinner and people come and some of those people are you some of those people are me and we get in there and we have good intentions and we want to be able to stay in the fight and we want to be able to love and I just want to tell you tonight that you understand me every one of these men 
Every one of these men had the same intention. They would do absolute anything for David when David stepped up to the scene. With that being mine, I want you to start off reading in verse number 1 with me. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. The Bible says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag, on the third day the Amalekites had invaded the south. Ziklag had smitten and had Ziklag and had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives and they were therein and slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away, and went on their way. Verse number three, the Bible says, so David and his men came to the city. Watch this now, and behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives and their sons and their daughters who were taken captives. Wait a minute, can you get this scene? We've been on the battlefield. We've been serving. We've been fighting. We've been protecting. We've been fighting for the cause of Christ. We've been giving everything that we could possibly give. And I mean, these men are excited. I don't know if we've got anybody that has ever served our country, but you could probably relate to this. You go out and you're fighting on other soil, not because you just want to do that, but because you care that your family's taken care of, your country's taken care of, that the things that you believe in, that it's protected. And that's exactly what these men were doing. But these men that are, are warrior men, they are fighting men. They're men of battle. They they have emptied themselves. Oh, if it would have been me, Brother Daniel, I'd have been excited to be able to come home. I, I'd have been excited to be able to see my precious wife. I'd have loved to see my son and walk up and give my family a hug and, and walk into my home and just sit down and, and smell that scent of what home smells like. They'd have lay back into my bed and know that everything's all right. To hear the laughter again and to be able to hear the rejoicing of children doing everything that you could possibly do. The anticipation, it had to be real. But can you see it? The Bible says that these men, they come back to this place and they walk up on something that they was not expecting. It's something that blindsided them, if I can say it this way. It sucker punched them. It took the wind out of them. And they're thinking, I don't know how to respond. I don't know what to say. I can fight a man. I can look him in his eyes. I can take his life. I can stand and look the adversary eyeball to eyeball and not be intimidated. But now they get to this moment. Oh, they walk up. And when they walk up, they see smoke still rising. They smell the stench of their homes. Everything they've been fighting for everything brother Lee they poured their heart out to like we do as pastors everything the way they've exhausted themselves they literally walk up and everything that they have emptied themselves for is now different it's gone it is completely outside of anything that would have ever been in their imagination I want you to notice notice the Bible the Bible says this in verse number four then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and they wept. Oh, until they had no more power to weep. The Bible says, then David, I'm saying, and David, two wives were taken captive. The Bible says in verse number six, notice this, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These were David's friends. These were the people say, oh, we're behind you. These are the people who said we're in the fight. These are the people that said we love you. We'll go to the very end for you. I mean, the same people that had his back, the same people that held his arms up, the same people that encouraged him, the same people that followed him, the same people that when the enemy whispered, they silenced the whisper before it ever got to their leader. 
Now they are the ones talking about stoning him. We wonder why sometimes, often, I say those closest to you will cut you the deepest. So now David, can you see him? Oh, he's seen the same smoke. He smelt the same smell. He, he's seen the same things that they see. He noticed the silence of the children not running around, the playing around the fires, and the moms and the wives walking around carrying things and taking care of things. He's seen the same absence of everything. His heart was broken just like theirs was broken. But now, now, he's the only one that understands what it's like to go from losing everything to now wondering, is anybody even with me? Now, you and I read the Bible. We know he's not alone. We've studied the Bible. We know that God's still with him. We know what the Bible says. The Bible says that literally whatever God chooses for us to do, he's going to be okay. Do we all not have the spirit of fear, but what is our mind? We, 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 he knows that. But David, listen, as much as he's walked with God, friend, you listen to me, he's human just like you and I are. So David comes in his place, and there he is. He's empty. Oh, they're talking about stoning him because they're so, the people are so grieved. And you cannot blame them. You cannot blame people for being hurt. And I want to say this. We're going to go through some things that's going to hurt us. But the Bible says this, every man for his sons and his daughters. But watch this now. David, what did you do, David? Tell us. David encouraged himself. And the Lord is God. Verse number 8, what did you do, David? David inquired at the Lord, saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, saying, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them. For without fail, recover all. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. I mean, listen, this is a promise. But let's just be honest. All of us sitting here, we're born again on your way to heaven. You know that we got a lot of promises. I thank God tonight that heaven is a promise. I thank God that the Lord's promised me eternal life. And I thank God for all of those things. But friend, there's some promises as I live on this earth and I live by the faith that I have. That my faith, you remember what we preached this morning. Oh Lord, he says, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Lord, I know. I know that you can. I've seen you do things. I've seen you work miracles. I've seen you answer prayer. Oh, Lord, I believe, but Lord, oh, Lord, help thou my unbelief. And David is in this moment we don't know just for the sake of just being a little bit humorous. I want you to know what the Bible says in verse number 18. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. You say, why in the world is that humorous? Why is that comical? Because it's almost like, watch me now, God. If you knew that we were going to get everything back, watch me now. Why'd you let it happen in the first place? You ever had that? Lord, 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 you knew I was going to be all right. Why'd I have to go to that hospital bed for weeks and months? Lord, you knew I was going to be all right, but why is my marriage on the rocks? And Now all of a sudden we're better than we've ever been, but why do we have to go through those scars and say the things we said and our children hear the stories that they now know? Why, God, if you knew you was going to put the marriage back the way it was, but why, God, why? God, the ministry's great. You remember when I said to you this year, 13 months ago this time, I was in this meeting. My wife was telling you a little bit about our personal life, but as a church, I was going without a paycheck. Turn around, God pays the church off. 
I finally started getting a paycheck again. Thank y'all, amen. I thought my wife was going to have a shouting spell right there, amen. But watch me now, Lord. If you knew that you were going to do this, why did you let me go through Ziklag? And I want to tell you tonight, God's way of preparing people is different. God's way of strengthening your marriage, your home, you as a father, you as a husband, wife, mother, whatever it may be, as a pastor. Listen, God's way is different. I mean, have you studied out in context, okay? I like the verses of Christian, 1 Peter chapter number 5. He says, after you have suffered a while, then he may settle you, establish you, and strengthen you. And I'm thankful for that. But if you read it in context, context, the very first verse says this, to the elders, to the el it's speaking to the leaders. If you look at it in context, you want to know why? Because that verse number 8 where it says, Brother Lee, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, the, the Satan, the, the, the liar himself is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom? Who? The elders, the leaders, the pastors. He's looking for the one that's making a difference that nobody sees. He's looking for the one that... It is on the very brink of having that breakthrough. Remember, he said about Peter, he got out of the boat, and because he got out of the boat, he started doing something that he had never done before. He trusted God by faith, and God showed him, Hey, Peter, I'm teaching you something. If you'll just believe me, that's what the devil wants to discourage. That's what the devil wants to get to be silent. That's what the devil wants to stop. But aren't you glad that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world? If God be forced, praise God, who can be against this? Somebody say amen. You say, well, why is this so important? I want you to turn back, if you can, very quickly to 1 Samuel chapter number 16. Oh, by way of introduction. Everybody all right? Say amen. But you notice this is why it's so interesting. I'll say this quickly, and I'll move back to our text. The Bible says this. Notice his will. Verse number 10. And again, Jesse made seven of his sons to be able to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Samuel was the man that was coming after to be able to find the next king. Jesse was the father to David and all of his brothers. So many of you that know your Bible and don't know, this is the scene that we walk up. So Samuel literally goes to Jesse in his household, and he begins to ask him for these sons. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are all these thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. So what he said is, watch me now. I've seen all these other boys watch by. But matter of fact, let me just say this. You know, you know, it's important that you stay in tune with God because if you don't, you might miss, on, miss out on what God's really trying to do. And you might not understand that, but do you know if Samuel went close with God, he'd have picked the wrong person to be king. Somebody say amen. For some of you singles, you young kids, whatever it is, when it comes to you getting married one day in the future, you hear this. Don't look to the preacher. Don't look to mom and daddy. You better know how to get a hold of God and God get a hold of you. And you figure out because God's going to speak to you and you need to be able to be in tune with God. So Samuel said, ain't none of these it. Wait a minute. He didn't even know he had another son. The Bible says that he went and he fetched for him the very next verse. And I want you to notice verse number 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forth. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So now this is what you see. At this moment right here in the Bible, you realize that David, hear me well, David knew he was about to be king. David knew that he was going to be going to Jerusalem. Now, where they are in this text and where they're going to be able to be king, watch me now, it's not that far of a distance. But do you know where Ziklag is? It's out of the way. It's a detour. Everybody say detour. 
it's a detour. It's a little bit different. If I can say it this way, let's go back to Romans chapter number 12, verse number 2. By the renewing of your mind. You renew your mind because of interruptions. Everybody say interruptions. So you see now, here's David. Oh, he's walked with God. He, he's defeated the, the bear. He's defeated the lion. He, he's defeated Goliath. I mean, he's a man of God. Can you see David? But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he comes to a time of renewing. It's renewing unlike anything's ever seen. He's lost everybody that he loves. He's looked at everything that he's ever had, and it's burnt down. And now all the men that labored with him, that fought with him, they turned their back on him. So, Lord, why in the world? And I just want to say this to you tonight. This, this is the thought of my message. What do you do in Ziglag? Everybody gets there. Everybody finds himself, you know, Lord, what do I do in Ziglag? How, how do I respond when I get here? I, I know. Let me just say it this way. Typical Christians say this. Well, you know, the Lord's going to work it out. We'll just be still and let God be God. No, friend, that's not the answer. You know, well, you know, it'll be all right. I'll just stay frustrated. No, no. Sometimes we think God's trying to do something in everybody else. When the truth be told, sometimes God's trying to do something in you. Somebody say amen right there. So what do I do? How do I respond? How, how do I go? How do I move forward? How, how do I make it through this season that I, I, didn't, I didn't realize? Watch me. As a preacher, we preach about this often. We teach about this. We encourage people, hey, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right in these difficulties. It's easy for me tonight to look at Brother Lee and say, hey, it's going to be all right. Brother Dylan, it's easy for me to look at y'all and say, you know what? God's faithful. It's going to be all right. But, friend, you hear me well when I say this. When the table turns and the arrow's on me, and now I'm in zigzag. And I understand these emotions. My family understands. My life understands. My ministry understands. It's one thing to say it, Brother Sean. Oh, but it's something different when you get there. And here David is. David's sitting there trying to figure out what in the world to do. And I want to say, you know what? There's a lot of things in my life, Brother Daniel, that God's put in my heart that I'm still waiting for God to do too. I remember when I first got saved, man, God put dreams in my heart. When I answered a call to preach, God put things in my heart about the church that, honestly, Brother Lee, I still ain't seen come to pass in the church. And you want to know why? Because God's timing ain't always best. God's timing's always right. Because best means there's another option. Somebody say amen. You understand what I'm saying? So sometimes we come to this place and we think, Lord, I, I don't know. I want these things. But then God says, well, first got to go to Ziklag. Lord, I want my marriage to be strong, but first got to go to Ziklag. Watch me now. Lord, but I want to have a child. I want to be just like Hannah, and I want to give a child back to you. And I'm not making light of this, but for those of you that didn't ever get to have a child or maybe couldn't birth a child or went through those complications, God found you in Ziklag. You say, God, why? Why? I don't understand. When, when you go through these battles, you say, Lord, why me? We, we've been serving you. We've been doing these things. Why let me go through Ziklag? Why let my family go through Ziklag? Lord, why does this ever happen? I want to tell you this, that when you go to Ziklag, God don't ever make no, no accidents, and he don't ever make no mistakes. There's something in your life just like Joseph. From the pit to Potiphar's house to slavery, you and I might think it's a story, but when God looked at that 17-year-old boy, I can promise you there was something in him that he knew he needed to go through all of that to make him the man that he was in chapter number 45 when he helped his family. Somebody help me preach. You say, well, he looked good to us. Let me just say this. 
God don't always just see what's on the outside. God sees also what's on the inside. And I can stand tonight and I can testify that everything that I've ever been through and every scar that I've ever had and every mountaintop and every valley experience that my family and I, including my son, just like my wife said a while ago testifying, if God would have ever answered our prayers, Brother Thomas, the way we asked God to answer our prayers, our son may have never got saved. Watch me, look at me. It was in our ziklag that God molded that. Let me share this verse with you very quickly and then I want to share a few things. The Bible says this in the book of 2 Corinthians. Just hear me well when I read it to you. You stay in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 15. It says, for all things. Everybody say, all things. Mm, that's ziklag, friend. That's the burning down. That's the friends against me. That's the family gone. All things. For all things are for your sakes. That the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For the which cause we faint not, but through the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed. There it is, renewed, renewed, renewed day by day. Sometimes what God's doing is all things in our life, not just the good, but also the bad, is because he's literally renewing the inner man and having the outward man die. How many of you know the outward man needs to die daily? Amen. Amen. The Bible says in verse number 17 and 18, it says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Thank God it's just a moment. Worketh for us far more exceeding in eternal weight and glory. For we look not on the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, listen, God ain't just doing something in our life to make us look better, feel better, act better, and grow up. No, he's doing things in our life so we be more like Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. So back in your text tonight, 1 Samuel chapter number 30. I want to give you a few things tonight, and I'm going to be done. First of all, before I tell you exactly what he did, in Ziklag, I want you to notice a few things with me that's very important. The Bible says, verse number 3 and 4, that the men came and they wept, and then they wept until they had no more power to weep. I want to tell you there's going to be some times in your life that you're going to be so empty and you're going to say, God, I just can't handle it no more. And I want to tell you, you're either going to be David in this situation or you're going to be these men. And remember, if you ever let, if you ever let emotions, they rule you, they're going to ruin you. You hear me what I'm saying to you? Now, I understand things hurt and they're hard. But these men made a decision to do something that in their clear right mind, they would have never done it before. And you can criticize them, but what do we say this morning? When he got out there and they got on those storms, listen, storms make us act a little different. They make us think different. Y'all help me now. I mean, there's some things, it's hard. It gets distorted. It makes it hard for us to be able to see. The second thing I want you to notice is in verse number 6 again. Notice, if you will, the Bible says this, that these men came. Watch me now. And the Bible says that David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul, soul of all the people was grieved. I want to say this to you, and I know we got a couple pastors, but I want to say this to all of you, for daddy and mama, for the people that maybe work a job. There's something that's here that sometimes we miss, and it's this. That leadership will always, always have a downside to it. To whom much is given, much is required. Amen. You mom and dads, there's going to be kids that's going to look back at you and say, well, this is your fault. If this would have never happened. And you know what? At the end of the day, everybody's always looking for somebody to blame. It's that way on our job site. You and I understand this. We realize it whenever we get to be in the leadership role. But rest assured, even though you won't admit it, you might be more spiritual to me and never done this. But I can remember before I was ever in a management role, I usually thought I could do it better. 
I usually thought I would do it a different way. I usually thought, you know, my dad's in construction, and listen, these new guys come in, and they've been to college and do all that, and he can't tell you, and he gets so frustrated. These new boys come in, they do it that new way, and he has to turn around and fix it the old school way. And this is what he says. He says, you know, he said, everybody thinks they can do it better, you know. But my dad's so old school, you know, he comes in there sometimes, and I mean, he don't even, he, he'll, he'll lock the toolbox and send it out the door, and he says, look here, I might be wrong, but I got the right to be wrong, and at the end of the day, you're going to do it my way, because everybody thinks they can do it, and if you do it two different ways, it's going to mess something up. Somebody say amen, so somebody's got to take the fall, but here's the key, somebody's got to take the blame, and the church is the same way, Brother Lee, and again, I know it's uncomfortable, but I'm just going to tell you, it's never going to change. It's never going to change. These men looked, these men looked at David and they thought, David, it's your fault. I, I don't think that's the, the spirit in this church. Everybody with me? Everybody with me? You love your pastor, whether he's your pastor or he's your pastor, say amen. Amen. You ought to love God's man. You know why? Oh, we're lifting up God's man. No, God's man loves you. Everybody all right? Y'all help me tonight. God's man loves you. He's the under-shepherd. He's the overseer. He's praying for you. He loves you. Watch me now. Touch your hand. It's flesh. He's flesh just like you. His mind's just like yours. His heart's just like yours. He has a family just like you. He's just a man. But I promise you, it's never going to change. Everybody's looking for somebody to blame. And there's going to be some times where someone's saying, and they're going to say, surely if Brother Daniel, Brother Daniel, if you leave, I'm going to track you down like a hound dog, okay? So don't you go nowhere. Brother Daniel, surely, well, Brother Lee, what you doing? Why'd he leave? He, they, hey, let, I, I know you in your heart. You can say thank God because you know the pastor is able to invest in us and love us when nobody else understands. And as long as you do it God's way, the Bible way, and follow the leadership of the pastor who's following the will of God, you can be better now than what you've ever been before. Can I get an amen from you? You know I'm telling the right. Here's what happens. They look for somebody to blame. And this is what happened. There was whispers, and they talked about doing what? Stoning him. You know what? Can you imagine being David? He's thinking, it's over. Now, some of you may not have ever done this, but you might have felt it maybe in a marriage. You hear certain words and you think, it's over. Am I telling it right? That's it. You hear certain things on the job site, that, that's it. They, they're one foot in, one foot out. Now, I need to go ahead and start finding their replacement. Brother Shane, you've probably seen people like this all the time working. You could tell when they start looking around and you say, oh, I might as well go ahead and be thinking about a replacement before it's over with. People start saying little things that begin to taunt you and haunt you. You know what the Bible says about whispers? The Bible says this in Proverbs 16, 18, or 28. It says this. It said, a whisper separateth chief, chief friends. Can I say this? The Bible also tells us that the power of the tongue has the power of death and life. If you're with me, say amen. You know why it says death before it says life? Because everything that comes out of your mouth that's not led by the Holy Spirit is death. But everything led by the Holy Spirit is life. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. But here's what I've learned, Brother Lee. There's a lot of times in my life and my ministry where God has allowed people to turn against me so that I would turn towards him. I can name names in my church that you know. People that's been there, and I say, Lord, why? And every time, listen to me, I'm not a perfect man. But every time God had them turn around, 
you know what I did? I had to turn to the Lord. My wife learned it. My sons learned it. It's made my family stronger. Look at me. It's made the church stronger. You want to know why? Because greater life ain't made up of Lee writings. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our life. Amen? It's not. you got to understand, this, this is God's church, not Lee's church. So there's going to be some things where there's going to be some problems that's going to happen. There's going to be some friction in your life. And anytime God removes, I, one of my, my preacher friend, Brother Ken Smith, he says this, there's two types of people in the world. There's blessings and lessons, and all God's people said, amen. amen. You preach that in a black church, and I mean, you shout the house down, praise God. I'm telling you, blessings and lessons. Them, them blessings you want to keep around, but those lessons sometimes you're like, man, I'm better than what I was. Y'all say amen. Be careful how you whisper. I'm going to give you three quick things tonight. Hut, I'm not going to make 40 minutes, but I'll be quick, buddy. Number one, write it down. What do you do when you get the ziklag? I'll be quick. Stay with me. Number one, encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Very simple preaching. But the beauty about the Word of God is principles don't change. And as long as you live by principles, God's going to take care of it. The first thing you must do is encourage yourself in the Lord. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 6, if you will. You've seen it. The latter part, he says, every man for his sons and his daughters. But, David, what did you do? David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He got himself to a place where he knew that he had to seek the Lord. You know what a lot of people do? Sometimes we find ourselves doing this. When troubles come... I try to separate myself. I'll turn on a song that touches my heart. Brother Daniel, Daniel, you and your wife, y'all, a lot of times y'all in the music ministry, you know what it's like to find a good song. Some of you might be that way. Man, you turn on something, and Brother Sean just speaks to your heart, and you're like that. Some of us pick up a good book. Some of us might call a friend. Listen to me. Some of us might put on a movie. I know y'all might not be movie watchers, but I like the movie Gladiator. I don't know why. It's like I find peace in killing people. Somebody say Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just kidding. I rest well. I don't know why. But sometimes I do that, man. I do that. Sometimes, hear me well, and this is where it gets lonely. Sometimes I come home and my wife looks at me and I just, honestly, in the middle of the day, I just crawl into bed. I try to get absent of everything, but the Bible says that's not what David did. The Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. Can I tell you why this was so significant? Look at me for a second. First Kings chapter number, I mean First Samuel chapter number sixteen. The Bible says that God chose David to be what? Everybody say king. Everybody say king. This is what God was doing in Ziklag, brother Lee. David, if you can't handle the pressure now with six hundred people, I can't trust you. Whenever you get to be in Jerusalem as king. And the reason that's so important is because there comes a time of intimacy where you have to look to the Lord. I mean, listen, thank God for your in-laws, probably your family. I don't know much about it. Thank God for your husband. And I, I don't want to be in your shoes. But I can only imagine the moment sitting beside that bed and saying, Lord, you're all I got. It wasn't a song. It wasn't church. It was in Charleston, right? Lord, you're all I got. 
I know you love your Bible. There's sometimes in Ziklag, you don't want to pick up that Bible because you feel like it's it's literally wordless on the. I mean, maybe y'all never been there, friend. I've been there. I've been on my knees and tried to pray, oh Lord, and and be silent. You know that's why the Bible says that the Lord Jesus, on our behalf, I'm paraphrasing. He's able to pray for us. He maketh intercession for us. There's times I go to pray. I don't know how to pray. I if I pray what I feel, sometimes I'm praying out of anger. Y'all can judge me if you want to, friend. Out of bitterness, out of hurt. But the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. I want to say this to you tonight. No matter how disappointed you are, you have a track record with God. You don't need a preacher to tell you this. You can look back and see how good God's been to you, that you have a reason to encourage yourself in the Lord. Number two, write this down. Not only did he encourage himself in the Lord, number two, he inquired to the Lord. In other words, he asked the Lord. I want you to notice this. After he got encouraged, you remember what I said? Sometimes you go pray, you can't pray. But when you begin to encourage yourself in the Lord, you begin then to be moved with the Spirit and not the flesh. So finally, at that moment, it's when we swallow our pride and say, Okay, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Notice what the Bible says. Watch your Bible, if you will. Verse number 8, the Bible says this. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Do you notice what David didn't do? I'll tell you what he didn't do, Brother Lee. He didn't do what Jason would do. I'm Mr. Fix-It. I'm Mr. People-Pleaser. Like, in other words, I love people so much that they can hate me, spit my face, they can punch me in Jesus' name. And what, for whatever reason, I'm just like, I just need to know you're okay. You good? You feel better? Everything all right? Let's keep on going. Amen? I mean, that's how I am. But I want you to see the scene again. Smoke clearing. Houses burnt down. Families gone. I know Brother Lee and I know the nature of some of you men if you're blaming the preacher, you're blaming David. If David was to knock on your door and you open your door, you'd say something like this, maybe different words. How do you have the audacity to come to my house? If he tried to control it in the Georgia, he might get a knuckle sandwich in the jaw in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Y'all help me. Y'all help me now. You understand what I'm saying to you? Because that hurts real. We can chase people all day long, all you want to. Hey, I want to talk about this. The Bible says he asked the Lord what to do. Sometimes we try to force things to be fixed and force things to be right. And that ain't always God's plan. We have to let it, they have to let it just evolve. We have to let it, let it just settle in. Why? Because God takes care of the hearts of people. And listen, I love my wife. And the only problems we got in our home and our marriage is me. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. I know the right time to go to her and talk. Because I'm different. I'm like, baby, is it all right? I love you, girl. Come up here. You know, it's a Starbucks with that little punch peach and all that other stuff. I mean, you know, I come home with them lemon seed, poppy seed, muffins. And I mean, it's like food, food, all kinds of stuff, gifts, love language. Sometimes she just needs time. But this is what I've learned. My marriage is sweeter when I let the Lord do it, even when I have the right intentions to say, I'm sorry. Hear me well, Brother Lee. You can, either take, you can even take responsibility even when you're not wrong. David didn't do that to them men. 
David didn't burn it down. God, David didn't take their families. That David didn't have that group come in. He didn't set them up while they were gone. David, they just blamed David. But even though David would have tried to explain himself, he'd have made it worse. He'd have made it worse. And I want to tell you that the Bible's very plain. Matter of fact, let me share this. I wrote this down up here in my notes. The Bible says in Proverbs 19, 21, there are many devices in a man's heart. That means many things. Listen to this. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. So I'm going to tell you something. You follow your heart. What does the heart say? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The heart. You say, you would say things like this. Well, I'm just following my heart, brother. Don't follow your heart. Everybody okay? You understand what I'm saying? I'm just, this, watch me. And I'm, I'm not talking about our little simple problems. Friend, I'm talking about zigzag moments. Moments where you know this is, this is devastating. So the Bible says, very simple tonight, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And number two, he inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. So notice that if you will. Number three, I'll say this and I'll be done. Uh, Tiff, if you can, honey, come to the piano. Number three, write this down. He was obedient to the Lord. You say, Brother Jason, that's simple preaching. I know. Isn't it amazing how we take something so simple and we make it difficult? And I'm saying this as a pastor, Brother Lee. Very simple. We always want the thing to do. We always need to know the right answer. There ain't a book. David didn't have a book at Ziklag. There, there wasn't another preacher to go to. As much as we thank God for people, there, there was not another preacher. And the Bible says that immediately when it happened, watch this now, watch your Bible. You love your Bible, say amen. I love my Bible. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 9. So David went, notice here, he and the 600 men that were with him and came to the brook, the sore, where those that were left behind stayed, but David pursued, verse number 10, he and 400 men and 200 abode behind. The Bible says in verse number 9 that he was obedient. What did he do? He just went. He went as the Lord told him to go. Now, I don't know where went is to you. For us as pastors, it might be this. He went on. He went on. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know you know if it's it is going to somebody you know maybe there's a situation the Lord told David told you to go back to that person and say I'm sorry maybe that is a you know what you gotta do you gotta go now y'all can be spiritual if you want to but when the Lord tells me to go seek forgiveness from somebody that's not always easy to my flesh especially when you know that you're wrong but what did Jesus do Jesus got down he washed their feet they denied him they betrayed him and he knew, watch me now, it wasn't what he was doing in the moment that was going to make a difference. But what he was doing was for eternity. What we do is for eternity. You hear me? What we do is for eternity. And accepting that responsibility does not mean that you're wrong. It just means that you want to move on. It means that if you could have done anything different, that you would have done it and maybe you did something to trigger that person there's a lot of times my wife between the two of us and our marriage and our home my wife is more open about her emotions than what I am 
my wife is more responsive to certain triggers than what I am. By God's grace, I'm better at that. But my wife is not as, she's not as much of a manipulator as what I am. She's not as passive aggressive as what I am. Can I get an amen, friend? Y'all see the two streets here, right? So what you may see with Tiff is this. You may see the sweet angel put her wings down for just a moment and be fired up. Can I get a witness right there? But what you didn't see is how maybe passive-aggressive I was. Now, to everybody else, she owes me an apology. But the Lord and myself knows that I owe her the apology. A lot of times, Tip will come to me about people in the church, and I say things like this, should I let them better? Should I taught them better? There's certain things that happen and I'm just telling you, watch me, whatever God tells you to do, you need to do it. You need to do it. And I'm just going to say this up front with you tonight. If you're, if you're not close to the Lord tonight and Ziklag comes, friend, if you ain't used to being obedient to God on your easy days, you're not going to be obedient to God on your hard days. So there's better to be a practice that matters to you, as simple as it is. But you hear me well. When you're in the middle of zigzag, I don't need a deep theological answer. <laughs> Somebody say it, man. I ain't got time for it. I'm so hurt, so battered, so beat, so confused, so confused, so exhausted that I just need simple truth. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Ask the Lord to be obedient to the Notice your Bibles, verse number 10. <clears throat> the Bible says this, after nine, he says, they came to where they left behind. Verse number 10, the Bible says this. There was 600 in verse number nine, but notice verse number 10 says what? Switch it there for me, big guy. But David pursued, he and 400. The Bible said there were 600, and the Bible says what? For 200 abode behind. What are you saying, Brother Jason? Not everybody went with him. Not everybody went with him. Not everybody's going with him. You might not have 600, but there's two-thirds that's still with you. And they're behind you. Y'all love your pastor? Do you love your pastor? Here's a hard question, church. Maybe the two-thirds isn't complete. Is there still part of the 200 that's going to stay behind? Let me preach to the church for a minute. You ain't going to get there by accident. You're going to have to make up your mind. I'm following God, and I'm following God's man. Amen, brother Jason. Amen. It's intentional. He's not perfect. I could tell you. I could probably tell you things about him that you don't know that would make him more imperfect than what you may think already. But God chose him the same way he chose David. You got to love him. And the best that he could, he went forward. And I just want to say this. Who's part of the 400? Who's part of 200? Now, in your hearts right now, you're probably sitting there, me. 
I'm going to say this to the kids. Man, it blesses my heart that he says he sees you walk with the Lord. But you know what? Sometimes we just assume he knows. But I think you ought to tell him all the time. Preacher, I want you to know I'm with you. I love you. I'm behind you. Are y'all with me tonight? I know he's your brother. I know he's your son. He's not perfect. Shane could probably get up, say stuff to get Lee voted out tonight. Somebody say amen. <laughs> but he has prayed. He has labored. That word labor in the Bible means he's exhausted himself. He's labored. He's exhausted himself between you. Can I, can I share this with you? Brother Lee, listen to this. The Lord gave me this. I, I want you to notice this. Just... This is all in the scripture. Watch this now. In verse number, verse number four, five, and six, they were thinking about stoning him. When he was obedient, watch this now. Those same men that was going to stone him, they began to get behind him. You know what obedience teaches me as a pastor? It silences your critics. You don't. Everybody okay? I know this is uncomfortable. Listen, but y'all need to hear it. Because I'll say this to the church, friend. You can be a critic, criticizer all you want. What about being an encourager? You pick and choose who you want to be. But to us, bro, Thomas, you know this. You just got to gotta get and just trust the Lord. And listen, when I'm in this boat, y'all remind me the same thing. Because I'm still in this boat. And the reason I'm preaching is not because of something. Because I'm not as educated as these two men. I have to go through what I go through to get what God gives me. So this is something I'm learning too. To silence my critics, I can get up. And I'm a good, I'm a pretty good debater, all right? And when we talk about this, I'm not an easy person to argue with. Because I will let you, I will let you put the knife in your hand and be like, whoop, well, there you go, all right? I'm making light of it, but I'm just being transparent with you, okay? I'm being very transparent this week. But I've learned that when I try to do things, I make it worse. If I'll just stick to the Bible and do what God says, He'll silence my critics. The other thing I've seen is this. Them men was hurt. I don't know if you have the same heart that I have, but I want to tell you something. I had a situation Mother's Day this year. We had to call the law at the church. And again, you would think, it's amazing. I'm still angry about this church. Amen. And uh, we called the law. I mean, Ah, it's something you ain't never seen. I mean, it's unreal. And there was so much hurt that happened that day. I, I, matter of fact, I told the church, everybody left. My whole family was out. Other families was out. Son was out. My son walked in the back. He walked in the back door. First five minutes of church, I'm like, let's bow our heads and pray. I mean, they stood up right there. And, and I've been dealing with this for six years. My son walked in. He, said, it's he turned around walked right back out. Amen. He's like, I ain't in it. He knew because I want my family out of there. A lot of hurt. A lot of hurt. Words were said. Look at me. Look at me for a minute. When people start throwing mud, everybody gets dirty. Thank God for mercy. Somebody say amen. It's a lot of hurt, believe. That following Sunday was so much hurt, I had to let the kids come. And I had to talk to them because they were scared to death. Come back to church. Now, God put that on my heart. 
I had one mama walked out. She said, thank you so much for doing that. She said, when we got out of the church, Tate looked at me and said, is that mean man going to be there? The kids, I mean, these are three and four and five-year-old children. There's so much hurt. My wife was hurt. My son, my family, my church family. Watch me now. I couldn't fix their hurts. But when I chose to keep being obedient to do what God told me to do, the same way that God took care of these men's hurt, they were hurt when they walked up and seen all that. But because David was obedient, not only did he silence his critics, but also God took care of their hurt. You can't do everything. Like I'm telling you in front of your people, you, I'm telling you in front of your wife, in front of your kids, that's not your job. And I'm going to tell y'all, he can't fix you. He can't fix you. The last thing that I like about this is when he was obedient, it extinguished pride. Imagine, Brother Sean, them men were mad. They were ready to go. Everybody all right? Everybody all right? They're ready to go. When you get people full of pride, it's, a, it's an ugly scene. But there David goes. Oh, Lord, you know what happened? The men swallowed the pride. David never did anything except be obedient to the Lord. So I want you to look at me for a second. Mom, dad, husband, wife. Your Ziklag's probably not a church you battled some things and we look at that Romans 12 we think I beseech you therefore brother by the mercies of God you beseech you by amen that's what I want to be okay what about when you get to zigzag and you had to renew your mind because of an interruption so tonight the invitation is this God said you're going to recover it all three things Lord I want you to know this is my choice that no matter what happens I'll keep encouraging myself in the Lord I'll keep inquiring, asking of the Lord. And Lord, I'm going to choose to do my best to be obedient to you. And watch you, watch you take care of my problems. Somebody say amen. Y'all wait. If you're hungry, say amen. We're going to eat. But let me just tell you this. This meeting, not because of, this could be the most important meeting in your pastor's life this week. I, I tell you, I got a phone call from him a couple weeks ago. I called my wife afterwards. Oh, I, mean, I, I honestly, I was, I was driving to Anderson, South Carolina, going to teach in, in college. And I could have bypassed and kept on going and come all the way down here that night. I had two guys riding with me. I, I literally about did it. If I didn't think it was going to cause a problem. I could tell in his voice. I could tell in his voice love, the passion he has for this church. So tonight, pray for yourself. But maybe tonight you pray for his family. Hey, look at me, friend. And don't love him and not love her. You hear me? I mean, she, hey, she, like my wife, they're perfect. I'll say that. You might have to say for her. I can tell you they're a little snappy. Miss, Miss, Miss Jordan snaps at me a little bit. Amen. I'm like, praise the Lord. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Yeah, she tells the kids, go to bed and get ready. I'm like, going to bed and get ready. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is serious. And that's his help meet. Help. 
he can't do what he does without her. She may be nothing to you. I know she is. But she's chosen to be what completes him, to be what he is for you. She's just as vital to this ministry as he is. Them kids better love on them. They see daddy's they see daddy's eyes when he leaves church. They see the heaviness. They watch probably the distance when he's there but he's not there. They see it. And I'm glad they're staying in the Bible. But they need to see that when you serve God it comes with a cost but the pain will never be greater than the joy. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, bless this invitation. Thank you for the liberty. Help God's people. Help God's man. God, help God's man. Help his family, his wife. Father, we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand your feet tonight. You mind the Lord. If you need to come, you come. If you need to encourage somebody, you encourage somebody. But you be obedient. You be obedient. Let the Lord help you. She sings. Don't wait. Don't wait. You mind God. Oh, yes. Sometimes I just need a word. It's what I need. sniffling somebody tender because of love are you not driven to encourage them to love them listen I love you but I have a pastor's heart if my pastor was sitting on the front pew and I seen God tendering his heart I wouldn't let him sit there all by himself I'd be loving on him encouraging him his wife, his kids. I told you when I came this morning, I want to lift up Jesus, but my prayer is to be to help God's man. He needs you. So whatever you do, at least pray for him. But you need to do something. And he look here. He'd tell me to say none of this. He wouldn't. There ain't a pastor worth their call that would want you to even speak or preach what I'm preaching. 
things like this in our churches because we don't want to be this transparent. God's allowed me to go through what I've been through so I can share with you what I'm sharing. So I'm just telling you, there's a time and it's a place. Sometimes what we choose to do in those times and places determines our future. And this might be your very night. You mind gosh, you'll see the second verse of course. How many of you are going to be back tomorrow night? I just, your pastor's been asking that. Y'all ain't going to be here? Oh, my soul. I'm like, you know, be, let's do that again. I was captivated. Sorry. Who's going to be here tomorrow night? Amen. Amen. Bring somebody with you. Amen. And listen, have a heart. Pray, pray for one another. Pray for the Lord. Um, pray, for, pray for your pastor and his wife. And uh, I believe God's got big things for, for greater hope. And, um, and you just continue to be faithful. And God's going to use you. I'm so thankful for this church. You hear my wife said a while ago, and she's testifying. This was the place that God began to do a work in our heart, my family's heart. And those two weeks, all my soul. I mean, I can't tell you the roller coaster. So this is a special place for me. And uh, so we like it. But closing prayer, we're going to go over and eat. And uh, there's food over there, all kinds of food people cooked. And uh, probably everything over there, if it looks good. Well, let me just say this. Everything is probably not good, just leave it for me and I'll eat it for you. Amen. I just, until I can taste everything, let me, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And uh, let's just go fellowship. So I'll pray over the food and, uh, and then we'll be dismissed. I guess visitors are all invited to stay too, right? All right. So everybody's invited to stay. All right. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, thank you for the night. Lord, thank you for the Bible. Lord, I thank you for the Bible. God, so much. Lord, we read, we study. But Lord, it is a, it's a living word. And God, you give life and you give strength. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the good liberty we had tonight. Lord, I pray for those that are here, that God, our hearts be tender, sensitive. Lord, I pray that we would not just turn off the, the work of the Holy Ghost, but Father, we would listen, we would apply it. And Lord, I pray that we take these simple truths and take them home. 
And God, we'll thank you for what you do. Thank you, Lord, for the fellowship that we're about to have and experience the food that we're about to receive. Lord, those that prepare it, may you bless them. Bless the time of fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.